Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to have you in on Thursday at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in. It is opening day for Major League Baseball. Excited about that. Always get excited for the World Series. Always get excited for opening day. It has been 134 days, I thought we just heard on SportsCenter, since live sport. So, party. Socially responsibly, of course, and enjoy tonight. Yanks, Nats, Dodgers, Giants. Babber is going to throw his Giants hat on. Uh, I'm sure Junior's, <laughs> if he can get into his closet, going to find one of his 400 uh, Yankee hats to, to slap on. And my wife, she has this, <laughs> she has this T-shirt she wears around, and, and it says "Let Brett Bang." On it, and it goes back to the the Yankees and banging the top of the dugout, and she always uh, wears that t shirt. So she may have to make sure laundry's uh, caught up with uh, finding the shirt because those two yo yos are going to be watching the Yanks. My house will, will turn into a navy and and uh, pinstripe just patch of depression if 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 if, if the Yanks don't win tonight. I'll throw on my Boston lid and, and cheer hard for the Nets. Can join us today. Plenty of college football to get into. We are loaded up. We'll spend some time with Parker Gabriel of the Lincoln Journal Star in about 20 minutes. Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network, Big Ten Buffet resumes in one hour. Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity going to join us. We'll head to Vegas and talk some more MLB bets with Danny Burke, the Pride of Chicago, part of the VEASAN Sports Network. So we'll talk to Danny here before we are done. You can get in at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers. Find and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio for Chris Schmidt. At Damon Barr, that's two R's on Twitter for Mr. Damon Barr. And can email Chris at HaleVarsity. Dot com and, and find uh, ESPN Lincoln and Hale Varsity also as uh, must follows on Twitter. So uh, the good news is you have live sports back tonight. The good news is you have Major League Baseball and this will be step one. The NBA follows and college football not far down the road. Uh, a report uh, from John Wilner. Uh, he is part of... Uh, uh, the media out that covers the Pac-12. He has gotten some information as to what the Pac-12 is going to do with their schedule. But I want to start off, and it just sad news, saw this on Twitter earlier today from our friend Dean Blevins down in Oklahoma City and uh, former Nebraska assistant coach, former Sooner head coach, and former Oklahoma Sooner uh, John Blake. Boo Blake uh, was his nickname. He played for Coach uh, Switzer. Uh, coached under Coach Switzer, didn't have a great run at Oklahoma, but left the cupboard super full for what um, 
what happened at Oklahoma in the 2000s and beyond with the Stoops crew. And John Blake was responsible for, for getting Nebraska fans in Dominican Sioux and Marlon Lucky. And uh, we'll talk with Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFLer, tomorrow. That was that was Jay's position coach, and and Jay's pretty sad about it, as we all. Are. You know, John Blake was was fifty nine, and the report from Coach Switzer to Dean Blevins uh, was Blake was, you know, he was a, he was recruited as a, as a fullback. He ate a little too much, so they moved him to nose guard, and he was a really talented recruiter, man, a really talented recruiter. And uh, did well for Nebraska to get Indomitian Sioux here. Uh, so sadness uh, today uh, as, as Blake did a lot with that Nebraska defensive line talent. And uh, guys who played for him or knew him are, are pretty upset about today. Blake had been on a walk and I guess had a heart attack. And that's, uh, that's what happened. So thoughts and prayers out to those affected and who knew Coach Blake. Uh, when it comes to the football schedule, what is going to happen moving forward? So here is what the Pac-12 is set to release uh, later on next week. This per John Wilner. So it's just going to be a, a divisional setup by the Pac-12. They'll have five divisional opponents and, and five crossover games, uh, nine-game schedule with flexibility is, is what it is looking like right now. And when you think about a start date, that's the big question, right? When is college football going to start up? When's college football going to resume? And Pac-12 going to move forward with plans for that 10-game conference schedule only. The official announcement uh, with weekly matchup expected no later than next week end of next week and the Pac-12 their footprint they're going to be pretty aggressive with their approach and that'll span a maximum of 14 weeks beginning in the middle of September so we're still waiting on what the SEC and the ACC and the the Big 12 are going to do I think they're all working on a plus one model where they have eight conference games and they slap one more game on. I think the Big 12 wants to try and play 12, uh, if, if that can work. But this planning group with the Pac-12, that includes athletic directors, includes coaches, uh, as well as directors of football operations. They've been modeling this conference-only schedule for months, and they're in regular contra- contact with the conference's Coronavirus Advisory Committee. So there's been about a half dozen models that are out. And you look at this, and this is what's expected next week. A 10-game regular season with each team playing its division division opponents in five crossover games. A conference has nine games scheduled ready that could switch to a model if the presidents prefer just a nine-game schedule. They want to be flexible. So here's the here's the, the date. We're talking opening day for Major League Baseball. The opening day for the Pac-12 right now, as it sounds per this report, will be September 19th. That is going to be week three, or would have been week three on the original 2020 calendar. That start date gives the conference some time to check out the current COVID surges and teams won't start formal training camp until the middle of August. So all these phases will need uh, 
approval by health officials. And an issue right now is what you have with surges going on in Los Angeles. You have surges going on in Utah. So the other part of this, too, at least two bye weeks are going to be built in to the lineup that creates a window for games uh, if games can't be played when originally scheduled. And the Pac-12 championship game is scheduled for Friday, December 4th. That is out in Vegas. So what could happen here is you're going to have a a potential moving Pac-12 title game. If it's scheduled for the 4th, great. If you need to make up SC-UCLA, I know that's usually a later game, but but walk with me here. They could play that or other scheduled makeup games either during those bye weeks or the first week of December, and you could move back the Pac-12 championship game to that second week or third week of December. That's how it looks. If the Pac-12 moves forward like this, I would be shocked to see if the Big Ten does not follow suit. Uh, some folks in Ohio are commenting on word they have gotten from the uh, the folks in the Ohio State Athletic Department it sounds like, and again, this is just some some rumor and innuendo, but the opener for Ohio State looks to be September 5th, and that's where they're at with that 10-game that schedule. And again, per some folks out of Ohio, it sounds like uh, Ohio Stadium will have 30,000 capacity. Now, that again, uh, is not set in stone. That's not in ink. It's not drying, but that's where we're at uh, right now. So I look at uh, the reality of this for Nebraska football. They are moving closer to the start as you have the mini camps officially opening tomorrow for the Big Red. That's going to allow teams 20 hours a week with their team. I know Sparty has had to hit pause, but you're going to get an extra 12 hours a week of practice and uh, non-padded work, walkthroughs, and team meetings. Uh, You have the opportunity to go six out of seven days with this, and uh, this will ramp you up, kind of a 14-day mini camp to lead you into fall camp on August 7th. So that's where we're at for Nebraska. What does the schedule look like? What does the COVID number look like? And in all honesty, we're kind of waiting on – what the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 do. I think the Pac-12, we've just told you what they're looking at and what they're likely to get into. I think the Big 10 will probably follow suit. Now, does the Big 10 pump the brakes on much travel? You know, that Nebraskans can't go to New Jersey or New York and not quarantine for 14 days as we speak. What about the fact that Ohio State and Penn State are supposed to travel to, I should say Nebraska is supposed to travel to Ohio State, but Penn State's supposed to head to Lincoln in November. Does the Nebraska-Rutgers game in October still happen? Is there a reality that Nebraska and the rest of the Big, 12, Big Ten uh, just do divisional games where you set up and you could have a schedule where you do kick off in September with Purdue and then you move the home and homes up, where you get Iowa twice, where you get Purdue twice, where you get Wisconsin twice, go down the division, and and that's what you see. Now, that all depends on what happens with 
COVID cases and the spread of this thing in other states. Now, it's it's a lot simpler travel to head to Iowa City or have the Gophers come down here and vice versa, even find your way into Chicago and Evanston for Northwestern. Is that something that, that can happen with Nebraska? And, and say you, you have the schedule where you, you you start the year off where you host Purdue, where you host Iowa, then you go to Wisconsin, and then you have Northwestern. I mean, break it into to four games with a couple of bye weeks, and say you get that shakeout where maybe you, you squeeze in 12. I don't know. I really don't know. But I think Nebraska is putting their best foot forward. They've been really good with monitoring their players. Players have been locked in trying to have a season, and they've been responsible in that aspect. So this Pac-12 schedule is something to look at, and where does the Big Ten fall? We'll spend some more time with that. And uh, Rick Pizzo from the Big Ten Network recruiting. So Nebraska has been waiting on some decisions, and things have, have not gone Nebraska's way today. Marcus Embau, the uh, talented offensive lineman out of Wisconsin. Uh, Nebraska was in the running. He has chosen Arizona State today. So Nebraska losing out on Embau. But tomorrow night you'll have an announcement around 7 o'clock with uh, junior college defensive back Endab Joseph, Miami kid. Travis Fisher's been working on him a long time. And Joseph's a kid that's out of Independence Community College the past couple of seasons. And uh, Friday at 7 is when he, I think, and yeah, a lot of the recruiting experts, Greg Smith, really thinks that Joseph's going to be a Nebraska football player. One scholarship left for Nebraska. Uh, Joseph's finishing out some things academically online to be eligible for 2020. 6'2", almost 200-pound kid. Now, uh, out of high school, this guy was a four-star he said yes to Alabama, then he flipped to Georgia. It just didn't work out for him to qualify. But now Nebraska's been uh, right there for him. What what happens also is you have a, a, a talented JUCO running back out of East Central Mississippi, Community College, J.D. Martin. Told you a little bit about him yesterday where uh, he had committed the, to Florida Atlantic out of high school. That didn't go as planned. Uh, The Owls are still in his top four, as is Nebraska, Maryland, and West Virginia. Uh, That is intriguing. Uh, The one that that may get away, and this will happen after 5 o'clock Central tonight, is uh, a really talented 6'5 outside linebacker. That's Christian Burkhalter. We've talked a lot about Burkhalter. We spent plenty of time <laughs> with with uh, just what, what he can bring. And Nebraska wants and needs and needs that hybrid prototype body size as an outside linebacker. And uh, you look at a guy like Burkhalter, Nebraska seemed in good position. He's a kid out of Alabama. Well, uh, it sounds like Oregon has made a quick move and a pretty decisive move for the kid out of Spanish Fort, Alabama, the 2021 class. With no visits, it comes down to a lot of things. And right now, from a recency standpoint, Oregon's really got it rolling. Nebraska's trying to get back to being Nebraska. And uh, after 5 o'clock, you got a lot of the the projections saying it's going to be Oregon 
and Nebraska will lose out on this outside linebacker prospect, Christian Burkhalter. We'll get into uh, scheduling. We'll talk position battles because once this uh, mini camp heats up and then you, you transition hopefully into fall camp for Nebraska, there's plenty of spots to talk about. Parker Gabriel will spend some time with it. Think about this. What are you going to eat tonight to celebrate the return of live sports? Are you going brat? Are you going dog? Are you going burger or other? Because I don't know about you, but my plan is to fire the grill up, turn the TV on, pour a beer, and watch some live sports. And how much to get in the ring with Mike Tyson? Parker Gabriel's on the way with Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Parker Gabriel with us from the Lincoln Journal Star and Husker Extra PG on Twitter. Parker, what's up? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Schmitty? I'm good, man. Uh, I was just talking with Damon and deciding what to, to grub on tonight as I'll fire the grill up and, and celebrate return to sports with some baseball. Uh, oh, yeah. are, are you going burger, brat, or dog with the return of baseball? Oh, man, that's a good question. You know, given that it's baseball and uh, all that, I mean, you can't, if, you, if you got sausage on the grill tonight, I mean, you really can't go wrong. You could be a hot dog, you can go brat, um, you know, you can go Italian, anything, anything uh, any kind of sausage on the grill is perfect for opening day. And I'm not going to put you on the spot with what type of beer you may be having, but but knowing that you're a Wisconsin dude, uh, you'll, you'll have a beer, and I hope that's a fair stereotype, and... You guys know your your brats. It most definitely is. Okay, you guys know your brats too, though, don't you? I mean, pretty well. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're up, you know, if you're up in Sheboygan, you're going to go, you know, Johnsonville. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you're in Milwaukee, it could be uh, Usingers. Uh, you got all kinds of options. There's, you know, Meat Felts up in uh, up also in Sheboygan. So, I mean, if you're in, in Wisconsin, especially Eastern Wisconsin, uh, you, you got options when it comes to brats. Well, Nebraska's uh, been doing well on the recruiting trail. They have uh, lots of options to, to pick from when it comes to rounding out this 2021 class. I want to get your take here on, on Christian uh, Burkhalter. I know his announcement's coming here in about 35 minutes or so, and it seems to sound like Oregon's kind of jumped into the lead. And Any insight as to, to maybe what, what changed? Because it sounded like, if, you know, as we're leading up to this announcement, as he was on Twitter announcing – Hey, I'll, I'll be making my call here uh, tonight. How do you think Oregon uh, maybe inch ahead of Nebraska, or am I wrong? Do you think Nebraska still has a chance to land him? Yeah, it does. It does seem like uh, Oregon is is in, you know in good in a good spot uh, for Christian Burkhalter, and you know, there's a bunch of things. I mean, one um, that defense um, you know has been good for a couple of years now, and Oregon's obviously. Uh, played at a really high level, so when that that offer came through, I think that's obviously an enticing part of it. Part of it is, you know, part of the reason why Spanish Four in high school in Alabama, um, you know, might sound familiar to a Nebraska fans that follow recruiting closely, is because Nebraska recruited a, def- a defensive back out of there um, one cycle ago named DJ James, um, who ended up going to Oregon, um, and I think he visited Nebraska. It was one of the it was one of those late, it was in January where Nebraska had a couple spots left. It wasn't his last recruiting cycle, but the one before 
Um, and they were recruiting DJ James out of Spanish Fort. He ended up picking uh, picking Oregon and going up there. And, and I know that he and, and Christian Burkhalter are tight. Um, so he's got a teammate up there. Uh, it's a program that's won a lot of games in the past few years. And so um, I'm guessing, you know, I don't know. There's there's certain situations where where uh, Nebraska doesn't stop recruiting a guy after he, he makes a commitment. And this could well be one of those situations. Because I do know that Nebraska really likes him. Uh, Parker Gabriel is with us, Lincoln Journal star at Husker Extra PG. Is uh, we're talking some football here. Uh, a thought on uh, Indab Joseph, uh, JUCO prospect, uh, a Bama guy, and then a Georgia guy, and his announcements tomorrow night. And it sounds like the, the Miami connection may win out for Nebraska. He's a Miami native, and Coach uh, Fisher's done a fantastic job of, of filling in his room. And guys, guys just connect with him. It sounds like, but uh, who's Nebraska's biggest competition for Joseph, or is this thing done in your mind? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, there's been some schools. I know that there are a bunch of other schools that um, you know sniffed around on him, um, really from uh, all over. You know, from the southeast, from the west coast. Um, I don't know, you know, specifically if there are any other um, true challengers. I know. You know, Nebraska is in a good spot um, for Nadab Joseph. It's interesting because we've gone through this now in the last two recruiting cycles uh, with both Keem Green and with Omar Manning. Um, the, the nature of the classes that junior college kids take online sometimes can impact, regardless of whether they graduate with, you know, good enough grades or whatever, can impact who can recruit them. And so, it's, in, it's, it's possible, it's quite possible that there are schools that were, you know, in, in on Nadab Joseph. This happened with Texas A&M and Omar Manning, where Texas A&M wanted to recruit Omar Manning and couldn't because of an SEC rule about uh, math classes at the junior college level. And so that's, it's a little bit hard to tell who, who, if there are any true challengers for Nadab Joseph, but Nebraska's in a good spot there. Parker, uh, a thought as minicamp's going to get rocking tomorrow for Nebraska. And that should uh, ease into, we hope, uh, fall camp for for a season to start. Position battles, and what are the two position battles you're most intrigued by as we look at 2020? Yeah, I think think there's a lot. There's been a lot of talk this offseason about uh, the offensive line, and I'm, I'm very curious in that. You know, I think in general, it's easy to think about it as a one position battle um, left guard you know but that is assuming that Bryce Bennett's ready to handle the right tackle job I don't think Nebraska would put him and Greg Austin would put him in the position they're putting him in where they're not handing him the job but it seems to be his to lose um, if they didn't think he was ready for it but you know that's a question that still needs to be answered and and probably won't be until uh, there's a different team lined up across from from Nebraska but then you know, I think listening to Greg Austin on the radio the other night, it's very possible that it's not just a one, you know, it's not just a position battle for one spot, or, or it may be for just the left guard job, but there could be multiple guys involved in that. They talked about needing Bo Wilson to contribute, but uh, him being healthy, making a big difference, and wanting to rotate and all of that. And so I think that the battles up front on the offensive line, just generally speaking, are going to be really interesting. Um, and then I'm curious, you know, both linebacker positions I'm really curious in. I'm curious if a young guy like Nick Henrich or Luke Reimer 
um, can make a, a run and really solidify themselves in a rotation with the two seniors there. Um, and I have no idea what outside linebacker is going to look like because they've got a lot of bodies um, and not a ton of returning production outside of JoJo Doman. So th- in that situation, it's more like who who's it going to be? Um, and an inside linebacker, I, I think you sort of know the four or five guys who are going to be in the mix, and then it's just sort of like how do the reps shake out? Have you heard good things not only about the the? I mean, I'll say this, and and I know what you're talking about with with depth and bodies, not only on the offensive line, but but you, you have choices at that outside linebacker spot, and you have you've had guys that have played some football. I mean, you have Garrett Nelson. Uh, what type of jump can he make? Does the the light come on, and uh, do, do you see a kind of a, a free wheeling Caleb Tanner off the edge with all his athleticism and talent? Uh, JoJo's JoJo. I, I hear you there, but could some of the JUCO guys uh, make a dent on that outside spot? Yeah, I think I think um, you know Nico Cooper is a guy who's got three years, um, you know, coming up from Hutchinson. Um, three years to play three, and he's a guy who, you know, he's 6'5 and 220. Got here this summer, so um, he wasn't here for winter conditioning like some JUCO guys are. But, you know, a guy like him, you just wonder. There are certain body types. You know, you've got on, on the sort of field side, mm-hmm. um, you know, more comfortable playing in space. You've got, you know, Dolman. That's probably where Tanner uh, needs to fit in. And then to the boundary, um, you know, a, a bigger guy like Garrett Nelson. Um, you know, they, they, Eric Schneider mentioned on the radio uh, earlier this week that Damian Jackson's playing that spot now. So the thing with Nico Cooper is you just – we don't really know yet. Is he a field guy? Is he a boundary guy? Or is he the beginning of what the ideal is at outside linebacker, which is that you don't have to – flip side to side you put one guy on one side one side one guy on the other and they can handle all of the job responsibilities whether it's run or pass so um that that to me he's the guy uh, I'm, I'm very interested by the freshman jamari butler and uh blaze gunnerson um but i think if we're if we want to you know nico cooper's got a couple years in the, in the junior college program and all of that and so he's probably the most likely of that group um to crack the rotation right away Parker Gabriel's with us. Hey, Mars City Radio, we're talking uh, Nebraska's uh, mini camp set to get going on uh, Friday. Uh, Parker, back to the recruiting trail. Are, are you, I don't want to say surprised, but I look at Nebraska's running back room, and, and I know that you've got Mills, and I know you've got some of the guys that, that saw a little bit of time last year. When it comes to J.D. Martin, the JUCO, uh, that, that is trying to figure out or not if he's going to, Pick Nebraska. You, you got West Virginia in the mix as well as Maryland. And is is this a guy from what you've seen of him on film that makes sense for Nebraska to, to go get? When I look when we look at the current running back room as it is, or is this a, a skill set guy that Nebraska, if Nebraska likes him, it's too good to, to kind of pass up on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly where he fits in that in that mold. I wrote a couple days ago, just sort of about what's left for Nebraska in the recruiting class. And that one of the interesting things is going to be, I mean, at 14 now, um, there's no tight ends in the class yet. You, you figure they want two there. Obviously, Thomas Fedoni's the big prize. Probably a couple defensive linemen. You know, that'd be 18, assuming they keep the 14 that they've got right now in the fold. Uh, 18. 
you know, maybe another defensive back um, and, and maybe, uh, you know, another skill position player or two on offense. But there's a lot, there's a lot of guys or a bunch of guys um, between uh, wide receivers and, and, and sort of running backs and then the do-it-all type guys that they're at least sort of like in the picture on or involved with. And so uh, it's a little tough to figure out exactly who's where in the pecking order. Um, and I think there's still probably a little bit of wiggle room too in just how big the class is going to end up being. So the interesting thing about junior college guys, you know, J.D. Martin's in this situation, a defensive back like Kamal Hayden is in this situation where like those guys aren't going to play this fall. And so if you've got an opportunity and, and you can commit and graduate in December and get out, um, kids are going to do that. But other kids might go into the spring um, to try to really earn an offer or find a right fit or whatever. So the junior college, junior college is always a little tricky, um, and usually you start to get a better sense of that, like October or so once they've played some games. Um, but this year is going to be a little different on that front. So I think it's hard to say with J.D. Martin in particular, but be interesting to see what happens um, with junior college recruiting in general over the next few months. Parker, I've got 10 seconds. Yes or no, would you get in the ring with Mike Tyson, a 54-year-old Mike Tyson? Absolutely not. No, no dollar amount. No. Uh, well, you could probably put a dollar amount on it, but it would be re- have to be really high. Well, uh, fire up a brat, pour one, and enjoy sports tonight, Parker. Thanks for a few minutes today. All right, thanks. All right, there he is, Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star at Husker Extra PG. We'll make our MLB predictions for the year next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. What's going to happen in the Big Ten schedule-wise? We'll spend some time with Rick Pizzo, BTN. Big Ten Buffet in about 20 minutes. Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity. Danny Burke out in Vegas. Some MLB thoughts. Is doubleheader going on tonight here and on some of our affiliates with the Yanks and Nationals. And then the Dodgers and Giants. Great to be with you on a Thursday. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barhale, Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Thanks to Parker Gabriel. That'll be posted, if not already, on the ESPN uh, Lincoln Twitter handle and ESPNLincoln.com. The On Demand. So, if you're going to put some heat down... Who are you betting to get through this murky water known as 2020 for an abrupt and compact 60-game schedule? So I'll say this, man. Damon Barr rolled in. He had his his socks pulled up. He had his his, uh, high school baseball uni on. He had his big lead chew in his back pocket. He had the eye black on, and he had his first baseman mitt. Giving you credit, I know you aren't first ba- baseman height, but you could pick it over there, right? Am I? You're close. So no, so no, <laughs> no on the baseball side of things. <laughs> All right, just so wiffle ball. There I know go. you're playing that's, wiffle ball in the backyard. That's more my speed. Yeah, and, and it's all right. So here's what we got. So the Dodgers are 7-2 favorites to win the World Series. The Yanks are 7-2. Tampa is in at 20-1. Your Astros at 11-1. The Twins? I mean, I was looking through this, and, and I swear to you, there was a ton of high 80 to, to low 90 win teams. 
a lot of good baseball a season ago. Twins are are, are at fourteen to one, coming off a ninety win season. The Braves are at fifteen to one. Oakland had ninety seven wins a season ago. They're eighteen to one. The Nats were improbable the way they started compared to how they finished. They're at twenty two to one. The Cubs at twenty to one. And I know they are homeless right now, but the Blue Jays are at seventy five to one as Omaha inquired about hosting Toronto, which would have been sweet. Uh, Pittsburgh said uh, thank you, but no thank you. The uh, Pittsburgh Health Commissioner said better not do that. So, Damon, I'm asking you if I'm a- if, if you're going to pick one, give me a, a here's who I'm picking to win it. And here's who I'm picking to to also challenge. I'm giving you two choices here. I think regardless of how many boos they receive, the Astros, they will be a contender this year just because I'm not sure. Well, especially with the new playoff system, you saw that, how they're taking the two best teams from each division now, plus two more from the... I mean, they're expanding to 16 teams. Yeah, it's exactly. got to be ratified so, by... The players, yeah. but on, on the day the season starts, by the way, 16 of you get to go party. Yeah, that, they're playing more playoff games than regular season games. Probably. Probably, if that, if that goes right. through. That's great. So, so I'm thinking the Astros are a contender for the AL, and uh, not. I, I don't think the Nationals make the playoffs this year. I know that's a, that's a common thing that people have been saying. I just don't see it happening. Let's go ahead and throw the Cubbies in there, too. Uh, okay. give, us, give us something to root for this year. The, the the chubbies are are 20 to one all right and I mean you, you've still got the heart of that lineup that's impressive and they just and I loved Madden I love him but you got a new guy on, on the bench and David Ross former cub and kind of a hero in Chicago I mean is this Cleveland's year do they get hot? And stay hot with with Chicago, though. That's a, that's a good good question, and I'd love to see him. I mean, they were eighty four and seventy eight a year ago. Do you get a typical season out of Rizzo, out of Bryant, out of out of Javier? And what do you get from from your pitching staff? I mean, Quintana and and Lester, what's in their tank? Honestly, and does Ross make the difference? They just seemed like aloof post-World Series. And I know 84 wins isn't anything to sneeze at, but from a roster talent standpoint, they were too good to be that so-so. I'm anxious with Kyle Schwarber because he's going to be your DH. And I love watching Schwarber. He's a throwback. He's kind of short and he's compact, and and the guy can can swing it once he obviously stays away from, from those slumps. But how do you configure the outfield now with him going probably to the DH? Maybe you find a different DH. You know what? I'm going to be absolutely boring and weak. And I think getting Garrett Cole is going to push the Yanks over the top. I think they'll outlast Tampa. And I'm going to take me back to the late 70s, man. Give me the Yanks and Dodgers. And I think I've been picking the Dodgers to win the World Series every year for the last like five years. And I don't think it happens. As much as I hate saying this, I just think I think the Yanks with this shortened season, you can go the other way and say, all right, it's it's going to be such a grind where you'll play 60 games in 66 days. 
that's still a hell of a lot less than than 162. So I think Judge and Stanton and that crew avoid injury enough. The Yankees crush the baseball, and they've got Garrett Cole. End of discussion. I think the Yankees are your World Series champs. Now, we'll talk to Danny Burke about this. When we talk bottom feeders, you want, to, you want, you want long shot money. Baltimore's 500 to 1. Detroit's 250 to 1. Miami is at 200 to 1. And, and I think the Royals, you know, if they can stay healthy, let's see what they do. I know that their pitching staff is not close to what they need. Do you get a, a, a fantastic 60-game spurt from, from Gordo? And, and you got Salvi back, which is nice. I know he's getting over COVID. Royals are, are at 100 to 1. So if you were to wire Danny Burke some money, would you would you throw some heat on Kansas City to win the World Series at a hundred to one? That payday'd be sweet. It'd be really incredible for Baltimore. But let's just be straight. I mean, you're just burning your money. So give me if we can go back and find tape. I've said the Dodgers and Yankees. I think Boston's going to be horrid. So this may be the only night I rock my my Red Sox lid. I think Tampa and I think the Astros could could make a move. Uh, I would like to see Oakland just because of our guy uh, Deekman in that bullpen. And he is gutting out a shortened season with some some conditions that are of concern. And Deekman's going to be a warrior and be a part of that bullpen. Atlanta, perhaps. We'll see if, if they put it together. But give me the Dodgers with Betts and Bellinger, and can their can their bullpen get them to postseason is is probably the obvious question because their starting pitching's really solid, and that window is still open for the Dodgers. The Yanks are going to keep spending money to just take out the window. They've always just had issues with injury. Twins were a fun team last year. What what do they get out of their rotation to, to push towards a title? We'll head to Vegas in less than an hour. Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago, Burke's Best Bets, some Major League Baseball thoughts. Rick Pizzo on the way. We'll wind down hour one next. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Brett McMurphy reporting that Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez in a letter to fellow Badgers says the athletic department is facing a potential potential revenue loss of more than $100 million from the $140 million budget. <clears throat> so the other side of that to me says, yeah, we're playing football. Arizona, their school president, despite the COVID insanity in that state, has said they are going to begin classes in late August with a mix of in-person and online. We'll get more on the schedule potential with Rick Pizzo of the Big Ten Network as uh, he'll kick off Hour 2, Brandon Vogel, Danny Burke, and then it'd be a good day to hang out with Deb the Spa Lady. Crank that temperature to, to a cool temp. 
and let the humidity try and ruin your afternoon. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. So we asked Parker Gabriel this. We are going to ask the rest of our, our panel today the yay or nay, the dollar amount, to get in a ring with 54-year-old Mike Tyson. Iron Mike. Now, truth be told, there's a few Tyson fights I pay-per-viewed, and they lasted like 90 seconds, and nobody chipped in. My own fault. Should have charged at the door. But Tyson's been on Twitter a few times, man, and just looks... Incredible. Roy Jones Jr. is going to be his opponent. And it's it's an eight-round exhibition. The last exhibition I saw did not end well for Apollo Creed with Drago. So, I will go first and say absolutely I'd get in the ring with Mike Tyson. In fact, my wife wants me to get into the ring with Mike Tyson. But I, I would need a payday. And it would be north of six figures. And... It wouldn't last long. That's not being a chump. That's being honest and real. And yeah, unload on me. I'm not your average tomato can. My reach is brutal. So it would be quick work. But I would get paid to be disfigured. Doesn't matter anyway. Again. So yeah, I'd do it. I'd do it for half a million. Probably a low number for some. Maybe way too high. And right now, she's calling people to pass a hat around. Dame, is there a number? I think I'd have to be north of a million. I think Tax-free, so. of course. Well, yeah, tax-free. Um, as long as whatever I get pays for every single medical expense that comes afterwards, you know, the facial reconstruction, I'm really going to need that after such a fight. So as long as it pays for that, I'll, yeah, I'll take the money. I mean, there's the way Tyson would throw those uppercuts. I mean, that was his lights out, good night. And and knowing Tyson, he's probably still ticked off that in 1989, everybody in the Schmidt family beat him in Mike Tyson's punch out on Nintendo. Word would get to him. He'd walk in and stare you down like it's late 90s, or I should say late 80s. And, and Don King's behind him in his corner, gnawing on a cigar, screaming only in America. It would not end well, but in my oh my, the bank account would be better. So Damon says, I need I need a couple million for it. Big 10 thoughts from Mr. Buffet, Rick Pizzo. Hour 2, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery Hour 2. We're less than an hour away from the return to sports. Yanks Nationals coming up following uh, our show. And then Dodgers and Giants. We welcome in. I think he's got his eye black on. He's a baseball guy, but does phenomenal work with the Big Ten Network. Rick Pizzo is back with us at BTN. Rick Pizzo. Mr. Rick, it's been forever, my man. How are you? It has been a long time, too long in my opinion, but understandable with everything that's been going on. Most importantly, 
the family is safe, we're healthy. Our sanity, I think that varies from day to day, but I think that's the case for pretty much everybody in the world right now. Yeah, you, you, you get uh, close with uh, the wife and kids, and that's awesome, but there needs to be some, some quiet time, and uh, it's not always the case when you're, you're practicing social distancing, and it's been that way in our household. Rick, you've done great work, man, and I've seen and, and followed some of your interviews and, and the work you've done with BTN. Is there an uh-oh moment on Zoom, though? Everyone's had to adapt to this thing. Is is there a funny moment that you're taking with you out of 2020? Oh, without question. I was doing a Zoom call with Urban Meyer a couple of weeks ago after he was chosen as the Big Ten's coach of the decade in our BTN poll. And right as we were about to start, my son comes running down the stairs into the basement studio because the network did a great job in sending us everything that we needed to technologically make TV from our basements. We're just about to get started with Urban Meyer. And my son comes down, and at the top of his voice, he's screaming about how excited he is because he's got a great Fortnite matchup about to go on the Xbox with his buddies. And he was so crestfallen when he came down and realized that I had stolen the basement for the interview with Urban Meyer. I think afterwards he understood that an afternoon game of Fortnite on Wednesday wasn't quite as important as my interview with the Big Ten's coach of the decade. That's pretty good, man. That that is that is so good. I uh, I let let go a a pretty well crafted swearing tirade. Okay, because yeah. mm-hmm. Junior left the 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 bathroom door open. The uh, German Shepherd got into the toilet and. Oh boy! I, I I let loose, and he was zooming his confirmation. You know, so he was talking to Pastor. So that that that's wonderful, and I'm sure the pastor does not normally get spoken to in those terms. No, not at all. A little extra in the plate. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> the following weekend, but no, Urban and Fortnite, man. That's that's hilarious. That's pretty good. So I got to ask you, Rick, as as you've navigated through this and uh, the Pac-12, there was a report out uh, earlier today that the Pac-12, it looks like they're going to kind of nail down a, a 10-game conference schedule. They'll, they'll have, I think, five of their crossovers. It's not officially yet released by the Pac-12, but it looks like they'll do the 10-game thing and they are going to be flexible with a uh, third week of the season. I think that's September 19th start date. And they'll be flexible with their conference championship game. They'll they'll work in two bye weeks in a uh, in a fourteen week kind of stretch, and, and that's how it sounds like they're going to go. Any thoughts on if, if that sounds similar to where the Big Ten could go, or is this thing still in in pencil versus ink? How close is the Big Ten, in your opinion, to to making a call on what they want to do schedule wise? Well, I'll say this, Chris. Honestly, I think everything's in pencil. The Pac-12 can announce every plan that they want. The Big 12 and the SEC can say that they are moving forward with plans to start on September the 5th, as was the case before the pandemic hit. I think everything's impensable. Everything is very erasable and reschedulable, if that's actually a word. Pensable, by the way, is not. But I think that the Pac-12's model is the right model. I think, I don't have any inside information, but I think that's the model that the Big Ten will most likely utilize. It makes no sense. I interviewed Joel Klatt. Urban Meyer is on the same thought process, that if you are going to have a 10-game conference schedule and you can spread it out maybe even over 13 weeks, 
to have the extra time in case you have to quarantine, in case multiple kids come down. Now, most of them are not getting sick, mm-hmm. but even if they come down to show symptoms or test positive or reveal the antibodies, and you have to quarantine for a while, a buy here or there could be remarkably helpful. I think the 10 games is a great idea. I think what you have to do is basically eliminate any thought of keeping the schedule as it is right now. If Nebraska was supposed to play, for example, Minnesota on week nine, you cannot anticipate that that's going to happen on week nine anymore. Because if you go to 10 games, what's going to have to happen is the schedule makers have to erase everything and they have to make sure that every team has five home, five away, and then decide are you going to do an additional crossover game or, as Jerry DiNardo proposes, do you add a rivalry game in the division to play a team for the second time in the same season? For example, he's proposing you start with Ohio State-Michigan, you end with Ohio State-Michigan in the East. You start with Nebraska or Minnesota-Wisconsin, you end with Minnesota-Wisconsin in the West. Interesting thought process. Urban Meyer said if he were a current coach, there's no way he'd want to be interested or involved in any of that. I think the Big Ten is discussing all those scenarios. I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to look similar to that Pac-12 proposal that we heard about today. Rick Pizzo's with us, Big Ten Network at BTN. Rick Pizzo on Twitter's where you follow him. The thought of just a divisional schedule where you could home and home everybody, that would that would exceed 10 games. I, I find that pretty cool but it may be too much to ask and i love coach donardo's take where you 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 get a rivalry game twice more is better right rick but if you're if you're urban meyer i totally get it's hard enough to beat michigan once or michigan michigan state who who would who would you circle as nebraska's uh twofer who who would you circle would be nebraska iowa twice i would think iowa Iowa would be, would be the first thing that pops into my mind because what you're trying to do, right, is you're trying to figure out what's in the divisions, who's the twofer, but the problem is you have seven teams, yeah. right, in each division. So how exactly do you work it out? And then that leaves one team having to play a crossover. A, is that fair? B, if you're doing that, can you keep five home, five away for everybody? There's probably a mathematical way to figure it out, but then I think it becomes equity right? Mm-hmm. Is it equitable? If Ohio State has to play Michigan twice and Maryland has to play Rutgers twice, who has the advantage to go 2-0 and in those matchups versus that common opponent? Now, sure. uh, of course, Maryland is not going to compete with Ohio State for the championship this year, but you look in the West, if Nebraska is playing Iowa twice, that's a really tough matchup, a really tough matchup. Let's say Purdue is the team that's left out, and they go to live with their rival, Indiana, and they play Indiana twice. Now, isn't that an easier road to the West for one of those two teams than it would be for Nebraska or Iowa? Sure it would be. So, to me, there's a lot of stuff that has to be worked out. But at the end of the day, I think the most important thing, whether it's nine games, whether it's ten games, whether the extra games against a divisional or a crossover opponent, the most important is that the schedule – has to be as close to equitable as it was before it had to be reformulated. Rick, uh, a thought, if if things go south for some regions of the country where they just got to stop play, what where's the Big Ten's feeling at? And, and if you're not comfortable speaking or speculating, that's all good as well. But if, if Iowa and Nebraska and Minnesota can, can play ball and fill out a schedule, but – 
say that Rutgers is in danger of, of not being able to play due to COVID or things flare up in, in the state of Michigan, just hypothetically speaking, would the Big Ten stop schools from being able to fill out a, an 8-10 to 10 game schedule with regional teams not in the Big Ten? That is a great question and a, a scenario that I have not envisioned. The scenario that I have envisioned is – some Big Ten teams saying you can't play, or governors in those yeah. states saying we are not going to have any football games here. Because let's be honest, we can talk all day long about what the conferences and what the commissioners want to do. The governor of the state says it's not happening in my state. The governor rules supreme, right? Mm-hmm. Then the event's not happening. So that needs to be taken into account, too. I'm not so sure about going outside the Big Ten, but when I spoke with Scott Frost, he, he seemed to say, "Listen, if the only if we only have four teams in the Big Ten that are willing to go every week, I'll play those teams three times. We just want to get our guys in the field. We have to play some football now. What do you do with the bowl season at the end of that? What do you do with the college football playoff if it is if it is so wildly spread out? And listen, I'm going to be very clear about something. I think uniformity is an impossibility here. I really do. I do not think there's any chance that every team in the Power Five plays the same amount of games, especially the same amount of games against conference or non-conference competition. I just don't think that's reality in the world that we live in today. So there's going to have to be flexibility if we get into the bowl season about trimming the number of bowls, if we go to a college football playoff, about that college football playoff committee being really dialed in to the strength of schedule and the difficulty of the schedule that the teams that are eligible to reach the playoff face. You know, I kind of feel that the Big 12 is going to push for 12 games. They're going to try and make that happen. We'll see if it does. I think the SEC is going to keep themselves at at the eight conference games, and then maybe they add one more crossover. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Notre Dame hook up with some SEC and some some of their ACC, you know, normal – looking 2020 schedule because they're supposed to take on Florida State. They're supposed to play Clemson. That that was already on the books, and they'll still continue to date the ACC. But if, if Bama and Notre Dame can get things kicked off down in Atlanta, those both those power programs, I think they'll try and do it. I think the SEC is going to be ununiform, like you're talking about, and, and kind of march to their own beat. Uh, back to Frost in Nebraska. Let's spend a minute because I know the, the mini camp gets rolling tomorrow. Uh, I think Nebraska's got uh, a lot of really interesting position battles. I think they're going to be much deeper on the lines of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, time will tell where this, this team can go. Rick, what's a thought you may have on Nebraska for year three is, is jumbled and as crazy as 2020's been? What, what are you thinking you'll see from Nebraska? Well, what I hope that I see and what I think Scott Frost needs to see is that the offensive line is no longer an Achilles heel each and every Saturday. And it had its moments last year, but it didn't have very many consistently steady moments. And I mean, 60 minutes of being able to physically match up with the Wisconsin's, uh, the Minnesota, who had a great front seven defensively last year. I think that's going to be one of the keys. And I know that the bigger question is probably on the D-line after losing the guys that Nebraska lost mm-hmm. to the NFL and eligibility. But I think with the offensive line, maybe, I'm not so sure I'm ready to say it's a position of strength, but I think it's done being a position of weakness. 
what does that do for Nebraska's run game, whether that run game we're talking about running backs or flankers playing running back like Wandale or whether we're talking about the quarterback carrying the ball? How much extra pressure does that take off, whether it's Martinez or McCaffrey, if they don't have to use their legs, if they don't have to scramble, if they don't have to be hit when it's not a designed run? That, that to me, adding into this year, is the biggest storyline. In the past, I thought it was, you know, the last couple of years, would the defense at least be average, giving the offense a chance to score? Where's the depth of wide receiver? You know, some of those questions still exist, but I am intrigued to see if this offensive line can actually be a position where Nebraska goes into more games than others where they're saying we actually have the advantage up front as opposed to having the disadvantage. Rick, that's that's where we've been focused in the last couple of days, the O-line, and you got a lot of guys with a lot of starts, and there are options behind some guys if they're dinged up or not healthy. Nebraska didn't have a great year a year ago, and it's not an excuse but a reality that not only was a quarterback dinged, you had some guys on that offensive line that were dinged, and if everybody can stay healthy or you have an, a, a healthy option, I think you'll see a, a better run game, you'll see a better line of scrimmage, and you'll see better quarterback play, whoever's uh, behind center. Rick, uh, I want to wind down here and talk a little Major League Baseball, as in you get to pick the Yankees or the field for the World Series in 2020. Who are you going with? Um, is there a team that changed its name about six weeks ago to baseball has lost me? Because <laughs> no. if there is, then that's the team that I'm going with. Because okay. <laughs> the negotiation and the performance of Commissioner Rob Manfred and the back and forth between the owners and the players and the whining and the comp- – I mean – I understand that being on the road is hard, and I understand that we are in a pandemic and nobody wants to get sick and everybody wants to make the most amount of money that they can make. But I was so turned off by what happened through those negotiations that, Chris, I'll be honest with you, I think I'm taking 2020 off for baseball. I'm putting all my eggs in the basket of fall sports returning in a safe and healthy way, and I will consider rejoining the baseball bandwagon training 2021 good answer that's very fair about 30 seconds your level of optimism has it increased is it pretty on pretty solid for for football this fall chris i gotta tell you as quickly as i can say it i have been all over the spectrum two mm-hmm. months ago i said no way a month ago beginning of middle of june as the teams reported i said absolutely we are playing and over the past two weeks i'm back to where i was probably in mid to late may where i was like i'm not so sure i mean Mm. Texas, Florida, Arizona, we got to have some places clear up that have some pretty big football programs if we expect to see big-time football in 2020. Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet at BTN. Rick Pizzo on Twitter is where you follow him. Rick, stay safe and healthy and awesome to get caught up. Thanks for a few minutes today. You too, Schmitty, and always be careful. Remember, when Junior's on the Zoom, watch that language. (laughs) Take care, man. I will. I will do it. See you, man. Rick Pizzo, good to get caught up with him. Some great insight there on Nebraska, on the Big Ten. Uh, Great to run him down. Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity is up next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Get the Rick Pizzo interview. That'll be on the on-demand section, ESPNLincoln.com. And, of course, the uh, Hale Varsity 2-Minute Drill. We'll have that uh, best sound. Damon was scribbling his notes. A lot of 
Good things from Rick Pizzo. We'll talk to the managing editor for Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Brandon Vogel's back with us at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogels, what do you know? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I am good. So Pizzo is not so cranked up about baseball back at it. Are you uh, putting your cubby's hat on and, and uh, hankering down for a doubleheader tonight is my question. I think I think eventually it'll be good to have it back. Uh, watch the the Cubs Cubs White Sox preseason game a couple of nights ago, and I'll, I'll have to say it was it was a little bit weird um, not having fans in the stands. Which, like, I, I support that. That's probably that's probably the right decision. But it was just a little weird with with Wrigley in particular. too. I've watched sports over over the course of this thing and when it's a, a stadium that you don't have kind of a personal connection to, it, it's one thing to see, to see empty stands, but it hit me a little different with, with Wrigley. So I'm going to have to overcome that. I think. What a, have they shut down the, the bleach? I shouldn't say bleachers, but have they shut down the, the rooftops? And I know that there's been enough uh, uh, upgrades and uh, <laughs> the things built <laughs> to, to, to make the rooftop folks a little ticked off. That said, though, I mean, can, can I would think you could still charge whatever it is. I mean, this is years ago, but it was what two hundred bucks, two fifty to get on a rooftop. And this, like I said, this is years ago, but it included uh, food and beverage for a roof tra- rooftop spot. And those prices have escalated. But we don't. We'd find our way to the bleachers or third base side when my folks would take us to Wrigley, and it was awesome. But I, we never did the the rooftop thing. Is that still in in play? Do you think? Well, last I saw, it was. Um, so you know, <laughs> I, I I'm not fully up to date on everything that's happened there. But you know, that used to used to be a kind of a totally organic mm-hmm. uh, Wrigley tradition. And that, like, hey, if you happen to own one of the buildings that's directly behind Wrigley, you own the rooftop, and you can do what you wanted with it. And as we saw, we got into like the, the late nineties when it became a big business mm-hmm. and then it became the Cubs trying to be like, Hey, this is our product. Hey, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we're either going to put up, we're basically going to obstruct your view or you're going to cut us in on that. But the last I had seen, and this was, this was a week or two ago, um, the rooftops were still an option for, for baseball. So I, I don't know how that result was resolved, but I did see the tickets were going for for quite a a pretty penny, and it wasn't it wasn't cheap to begin with, like you noted. That was always kind of like my dream uh, bachelor party destination is like let's let's go to the rooftops and, and do that thing. Uh, didn't ever make that happen, so uh, so I guess I missed out. Well, let's just I'll call a guy. His name's Riles. He's in Chicago. He could probably get us in. We just need to go. Uh, money's pretty cheap right now. We're gonna have to go do a loan. I think. <laughs> well, I mean, I haven't. I haven't really done anything for four months, so I, I might be willing to to pony up for that. Uh, we should be coming back from Chicago like in two hours, but we're not at media days. Yeah, Derek Derek Peterson's been been writing about that a little bit on the on, on HaleVarsity.com. Uh, it, it, I, I do miss my my sort of midsummer trip to to Chicago. You know, Chicago's just a world class city. Mm-hmm. It's always been one of my favorite cities. It's a great place to get to. Uh, 
Um, and yeah, it feels a little bit different not having that kind of traditional kickoff to, to football season, even if, you know, media days becomes, becomes pretty routine. Um, it, it, it still does serve as like, okay, things start now because you do media days and then like a week later, uh, fall camp is, is up and running, um, which we still might have fall camp, but with, with so much up in the air, it just feels like a little bit of a delayed start. Brandon Vogel's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor at, at uh, Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter is where you follow him. Vogel, uh, I want to talk some some football here. And is there one guy you're watching on the offensive line? Because that, that's been a topic this week. Uh, I think I'm pretty excited about following the, the battles. Uh, but is there one guy that you think is key on the offensive line? And then let's go across the ball and not just D-line, but just the defense in general, who's, who's kind of your other dude's got to have a great season uh, on, the, on, the, on the defensive side of the ball for the black shirts? Give me, give me two guys you're really looking to follow here, not only when this mini camp kicks off tomorrow, but as we progress, hopefully, into, uh, into fall camp. Yeah, I feel like there's, there's a lot of names uh, on the offensive line that you could, you could talk me into. And all of them would be would be pretty vital, you know. You look at Greg Austin's comments, like just effusive in his praise of, of Brendan Hymas, mm-hmm. and we kind of set him off in the uh, like known category. Yep. Um, but if 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 he's you know as, as Austin kind of alluded to, capable of playing at an All Big Ten level, like that's that's a big big deal for Nebraska. Cam Jurgens still an enormously high ceiling, so so that's interesting. Fardyak moving in kind of the battle at left guard, but just because of, I think, newness, uh, the, the one name for me would be presumably Bryce Benhart at, at right tackle. Um, for, for them to go to a redshirt freshman in a time where they haven't really been able, well, they definitely, not really, but they haven't been able to be together as a team and put on pads and be on, field, on the field and have that traditional spring thing, like that that's a pretty good indication that, that they feel pretty good about him. Um, so, so he would be my guy on, on the offensive line. Um, I kind of hate to go with quote unquote, the new guy with, <laughs> with a veteran offensive line such as this, but uh, the fact that they were willing to make that move um, without having a, a traditional run up to the season tells me quite a bit. So I'm, so I'm very intrigued to see him on the field and, and see how he steps into that role. Uh, defensive line, that one's that one's tougher because you've you've kind of got Ben Stilley who you know has has played the most football, and then a bunch of unknowns after that. I think Jakeem Green is is a real candidate here for a guy I'm really intrigued by. Mm-hmm. But I think for the overall kind of performance of the team, Damian Daniels might might be the the ultimate final pick for me. Um, how, how what can he do? as kind of your lead guy at that defensive tackle spot. Like, you know, that's where he's going to be. We've known from, from coaches comments in the past, what kind of they're waiting for him to do. And, and that's just be on the field um, consistently, be able to go 60 snaps a game uh, played last year under his brother, who by all accounts was a great leader and, and a great influence. So, so I'm pretty intrigued to, to see him, the, the, the Damian Daniels, post playing with his brother Darian uh, and see what he's able to do there. Because if he's able to lock that down for a good, you know, 60 to 65% of the snaps for Nebraska, it really makes that defensive line pretty versatile. 
and, and able to to kind of get selective with how it brings along a bunch of young guys up front. Th- those are two names that, not going to lie, I mean, I, I have circled as well. The outside linebacker spot, you know, who is opposite JoJo, and and can a can a Cooper really come in and and do well uh, out of JUCO with his size and athleticism? But think about the the opportunity and possibilities for Nebraska's defensive line. Yes, the offensive line needs to be able to maul people and run the football, and and everywhere else things get better on offense, presumably with more time and. Uh, uh, just a stout run game and think about what the offense can do from a multiplicity standpoint off of a strong run game and physical offensive line. But if you get those snap numbers you're talking about out of Damian, like you saw him come in in 2018 and really kind of shut down Iowa's run game. I mean, that's where I point to. Can you get that for eight games, for ten games, think what you can do with with Green and Robinson, Robinson along with Stilly, and and you know we haven't heard or seen much of of uh, Thomas, DeAndre Thomas, but that guy redshirted, slimmed down, and he's trying to work in in some PT on that other defensive end spot. You'll have a lot of options, and if they all get to a pretty high level, you could have a drastic shift, Vogues, on on both lines of scrimmage for Nebraska in the Big Ten for the first time in a while. You really could, and I think I think it's, it's. I mean, the Big Ten is is a lineman driven league. It's hard to be good if you're not good up there. And I think there's there's real reason to be optimistic with the experience and talent returning on the offensive line. The defensive line's a little bit more of a of a crapshoot right now for Nebraska, just because you know we haven't seen a ton of those guys, or, or we've only seen seen flashes from them. But I think that group that you just mentioned, so. Ty Robinson, DeAndre Thomas, um, and Jakeem Green. Like, if you can get two out of those three to to be, I guess, just even a little bit better than you would say optimistically assume coming in. Um, which, like, I, I I think most of those guys have have a pretty bright future. If you get two of those guys playing really really well, um, all of a sudden, like, one of the biggest questions defensive line. Uh, becomes pretty interesting, um, becomes a group that can hold up in the Big Ten, not just, you know, in spurts. You know, Ty Robinson played really, really well for a true freshman against Wisconsin. You mentioned Damian Daniels against Iowa. If, if you just develop a couple more of those guys, maybe those things don't become the, oh, we're just mentioning the one or two games where where you really noticed it. It becomes a little bit more of the expectation. And I think that's where Nebraska's trying to get to. Vogue's going to go to boxing, and Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. are going to do a uh, exhibition eight-rounder uh, in September. Mike Tyson's punch-out was a staple for me. I don't know if you were a Mike Tyson's punch-out guy on Nintendo, but I thought it was awesome. And Tyson looks like he can still win a lot of fights. Roy Jones Jr., I mean, he's talented, but Tyson, my, my question here is, would you get into the ring with Tyson? 
Yeah. Um, I, Here's $2 million I, I mean, tax-free. Would you get... That was the question we were growing up, sitting around the lunch table in grade school. Would you fight Tyson? Well, yeah, but pay me. You know, all, all we wanted was, you know, a, a, a Barry Bonds or a Roger Clemens Donruss rookie card at the time. Now we're talking cake. We're talking money. Would you do it? Would you go Peter McNeely? <laughs> Can I lock that in for twenty thirty? Um, <laughs> Mike Tyson's a, a couple a couple of years older than me, um, and, and you know, seeing the 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 videos of him recently, because uh, like I mean, this is insane. Like Mike Tyson should not be getting in the ring with with someone like Roy Jones Jr. until you see the video and you're like, yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe he should. Um, so. Give me 10 years to, A, get myself in shape, but also just let Mike Tyson, I mean, I know I'm going to age as well, but let Mike Tyson age 10 more years, and maybe you could talk me into it for, for a couple of million dollars. But there we go. no, I'm not signing up for that fight eight months from now. Brandon Vogel. Vogel will talk Saturday. Fun to chat. Thanks for a few minutes. <laughs> Thanks a lot. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, it is Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Brandon Vogel. He said, give me 10 years and 2 million and I will fight Tyson, but not 8 months. We welcome in the Pride of Chicago with the VEASAN Network, and you hear him on Sirius XM 204. It is Danny Burke, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. It's where you follow Danny, and you hear him. Mr. Danny, how are you, sir? Really, I'm doing good. Uh, just waiting for opening day here, but it seems like more disaster is occurring by the minute, so let's just hope we get the first pitch underway to start things off. Please give me the, the update on the disaster that's happening. Aside from Soto, what else are you hinting at? What's going on? Well, not only did Soto end up testing positive, Schmitty, but the whole debacle with the day of and the day before, really, they decided, okay, let's expand the playoff format to 16 teams which is just kind of utterly ridiculous to do it that last second. And then not only does it affect that aspect, it affects how the players are probably going to outlook on this season and kind of the competitive aspect of it. But from a betting aspect as well, there's all these yes or no, will they make the playoff bets? And now those are more than likely going to be void because naturally that adds the advantage to the yes portion of it and the people who bet no kind of get shafted. So that's just going to be a complete cluster with all of that and probably just long-term, too, because some of these teams might not have to go all out toward the end of the season knowing they're going to have a playoff bid considering it's expanded. So you add all those into the mix, Schmitty. And then also Clayton Kershaw now scratched yeah. right before the game as well. So that's another that's another uh, more fuel added to the fire, I guess you could say. But look, you know, MLB's trying to get implemented into betting. And it's not what you want to do in that case. And I know not everything revolves around it, but that's a big revenue boost for a league that has slowly been on the decline. So they got to be better with, you know, coming up with some of these completely new outlines. I know it's an unprecedented season, but man, I mean, you got to be better prepared than that, in my opinion. Danny Burke's with us. Danny, the numbers say this pre what we just laid out, but the Dodgers, seven to two favorites, Yankees, seven to two favorites. For the World Series, you taking the Yanks, Dodgers, or the field? Ooh, 
That's tough. You know, based off value, depending on if you have the odds set on that, I think you got to go with the field Schmitty. And not only just because from a value perspective, but also just because of this season. I mean, look, the Nationals were 19-31 and 31 when they started off the season last year, and they end up winning the World Series. The Mariners were like 13-2, and two, something like that, when they started off. Who knows what's going to happen in the season? We already just, the, what we just saw right now, I mean, more teams are going to get into the postseason. Juan Soto, for example, tests positive. Who knows when that's going to happen with any given player throughout the course of the season. So many factors can make an impact this year. I think it's smarter to not go with the chalk this year, really, and not pick the favorites. So, if anything, if you're giving me all the rest of the league there, you got to go with the field in that case. Uh, Tampa's at 20-1. to 1. The Astros are at 11-1. to 1. Twins at 14-1. to 1. Oakland at 18-1. to 1. Your Cubbies at 20-1. to 1. Is there somebody you've settled on? You're you're putting a long shot dollar or several on uh, in that field we're talking about here. Are there a couple of teams you like heading into this season in a season of uncertainty? Yeah, you know, the first team I think it was that you pointed out, maybe the second, but uh, the Tampa Bay Rays actually, with the value that you pointed out too at 20 to 1, I think this team is kind of built for this condition potentially. They've been slowly and slowly building up. Um, they got a great starting rotation. Blake Snell, um, Tyler Glass now is in there too, and then Morton as well. So they got three solid guys that can provide some great innings. Torino's too is a solid pitcher. So look, I think the Tampa Bay Rays, with that value, with the pitching staff they have, with the starting rotation, and they have a really solid bullpen, their hitting's not going to provide the most power. But through a course of a 60 game season and a condensed season, I think their hitting can do enough consistently to get them pretty far in the postseason. I know the AL East is going to be tricky because of the Yankees, but in my opinion, I think the Red Sox are going to sharply decline. The Blue Jays are going to be a fun, exciting team to watch, but now, you know, people, we don't even know where they're going to play because they can't play in Canada, so, and that's just going to be a whole ordeal for them. Uh, and then the Orioles is pretty much like a buy. So uh, I like the Rays a lot for the value 20 to 1 in Canada. The roster they've built up as of this point, so that would be a little bit more so of my, I don't want to say dark horse or longer shot mm-hmm. because not anything crazy for me to say it, but based on some of the chalkier teams at the top, like the Astros, like the Yankees, like the Dodgers, I think you could get some good value and have some good faith in a team like the Rays. Danny Burks with us at Danny Burke 5, uh, Burke's Best Bets, the pride of Chicago with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So I'm going to make you pick a dog, all right? Uh, Baltimore's 500-1, to one, Detroit's 250-1, to one, the Marlins 200-1, to one, and uh, the beloved Royals are 100-1, to one, so they probably aren't in that same category. But of those four, if uh, you were forced to put down a, a C note, who are you putting it on? All right. If I have to do it out of those, and believe it or not, some people who we've talked to have this too, just because of basing off the value. The Detroit Tigers is a team that some people have kind of considered. And like I said, you get the value. The AL Central, not necessarily the toughest division in baseball. Um, and also, they just have a pretty solid starting rotation. The hitting is the main concern. The bullpen is another one. But starting rotation-wise, they have guys where if they can actually pull together and get some consistency, they could keep some games close. So if I'm going with any other uh, uh, any underdog, Schmitty, I guess I'm putting the C note on the Tigers. There we have it. There's Danny Burke going with the, the Tigers. Do you have any feel for college football? As, as Nebraska is going to get rolling tomorrow with their their mini camp. Uh, the Pac-12 will be out with their schedule here next week, as will the the Big Ten. Um, are you feeling all right with some some games? And you know, maybe Notre Dame, Alabama does happen. We don't know if if that's going to be in Atlanta or not. 
uh, teams are scrambling, but have you been able to kind of zero in on, on at least some some known <laughs> uh, options for the college football season, or are you just like waiting till the official word before you start really diving in? You know, if you asked me this about three weeks to a month ago, I was not all in, I don't want to say, because I still usually wait a little bit closer, but I was very excited and could probably go off a lot and was geared up to talk about college football. Then we hear the news of the Big Ten and just everything that's been going on, and my enthusiasm naturally declined, as I'm sure a lot of people mm-hmm. did. Uh, right now, currently, I'm teetering in the middle because we're still pretty confident, it seems like, with the SEC. The Big Ten, at least they've shown that they're trying to get the season, even though you're going to have to sacrifice some other aspects of it with the non-conference play. I, you know, if it, I think it really is going to depend what happens with baseball coming up, with basketball coming up, with these three major sports, because even you saw the NFL having some issues with, you know, a lack of clarity on their part. College is a whole other beast with trying to keep all these players on campus. You can't keep them unlocked 24-7. They're going to be going to parties. They're going to be hanging out with people. So is it going to last the whole season? I'm not so sure, but I think we'll get it underway at some point. I just don't know the longevity of it. So I'm going to wait a little bit till we get really close, Schmitty, and that's probably when I'll be going full throttle with it. Right of Chicago's Danny Burke, Hale Varsity Radio at Danny Burke 5. Okay, what I got about 20 seconds. What prop bets are you on for Fauci in the first pitch tonight? <laughs> well, it depends. Is he going right from the bump or is he going before? Uh, if he's going right from the bump, then I think it's probably going to be a bounce. But if he's going a little bit closer up, We'll probably get it there a little bit high and outside. Okay. And you mentioned those wild parties. We can only someday learn the true, e true Hollywood story on Danny Burke's hot tub parties back in the day. <laughs> in due time, Schmitty, in due time. <laughs> That'll be the first book I publish. Uh, Danny Burke, <laughs> VEASAN, Sirius XM 204. You hear him. Uh, and uh, Danny Burke at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Danny, be good. It was fun to chat. We'll talk next week. Thanks for a few. You bet, Schmitty. Absolutely. Miss talk us. To Come week. here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One down to Thursday. Don't forget, Yankees and Nationals uh, will be uh, happening in about five minutes. Dodgers and Giants, no Clayton Kershaw. If Clayton was smart, he'd be beelining to a hot tub to work on that back issue. We say hi to Deb, the spa lady. Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln, off Industrial Road in Omaha. Spasonline.com. Deb, if your back's hurting, you've got a spa for somebody, don't you? Yeah, we sure do. Yes, we do. And I would guess probably Royals will be starting. What are they tomorrow night? Tomorrow night. Yes, yes, oh, yes. Oh my gosh! Finally. Oh golly, that's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Will well, be great. Deb, I think I'll I'll bring some Boulevard over, and you and I'll sit in the hot tub and watch the Royals. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We uh we got ours. We drained and refilled ours this last weekend. So uh, we started out with about. Maybe upper 50-degree water. There's a little chilly, little chilly. So we turned it up a little by little, and now it's about 80, 85. Perfect weather, perfect temperature for this weather. And so everybody is out there enjoying those hot tubs and swim spas in their own backyard. Social distancing, of course. 
And we're making it happen. We're delivering spas every day, you know, as as many as we can do in a day. So we're making it happen. Deb, I think we could play like water wiffle ball in the swim spa you got. Yes, yes. There's all kinds of things. It's big enough sure. to, to hit over the field, <laughs> uh, into the outfield is what I'm saying. And That's right. That's right. Deb, what are some, some uh, options that, that you have for folks? If Listen, they've been wanting to get a spa, and they're just in between on either size for their backyard, or maybe they want to go big, and it's time to, to go see it for themselves, that swim spa. I mean, there's, yep. a, there's a selection for, for anybody, isn't there? There is, and when you come in and look at a swim spa, it's always, oh, my gosh. Well, you know that picture I sent you last year. That's how people, mm-hmm. they come in and they cannot believe the size of the swim spas. They are just unbelievable. They, You know, you really can get a great uh, exercise routine in there. You could swim. You can do uh, other t- upper body, lower body exercises, walk against the current, all of that. But you've got to come in and look at these. They're, um, you, I can't even describe until you come and see them. And then I'd also say think about if you're not going to do a swim spa, think about 7 foot by 7 foot or 8 foot by 8 foot. Those seem to be the two most popular sizes. And they will see anywhere from 4 to 8 people. So we've we've got everything. Really, we do. Well, and it's a good way to make friends in the neighborhood. Let's be honest. That's right. You're pretty popular, for sure. Deb, the spa ladies with us. Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln, off Industrial Road in Omaha. Spasonline.com. Deb, real quick, what are the hours? Folks can come visit you. 10 to 6, Monday through Friday. 10 to 4, Saturday. If those don't work for you, give us a call, and we'll set up a, a special time. Deb, you have a great weekend, and go Royals. Okay, you bet. Bye-bye. All right, Deb the Spa Lady, she's awesome. I mean it. You can watch baseball with Deb tomorrow in a hot tub. She'd let me sit in with her. That'd be great. All right, tomorrow, back at it. Big thanks to Rick Pizzo, Parker Gabriel, Brandon Vogel, the pride of Chicago, Danny Burke with Hale Varsity.